guys. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that we hope will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton. Say hello, Zach. Hello, Zach. (laughs) Good one, good one. Um, We are on... Episode 28 of Season 2, Studying in the New Testament, of course, following along with the Come Follow Me manual. And today we're going to be studying in Acts 10 through 15. And we haven't found a, figured out a title. Sometimes we know before what we're going to title it. And this one, we're just going to kind of see There's what happens. a lot happens. of thought that goes into that one word title. But we don't have it picked just yet. <laughs> but we will let you know when you... Well, you already know it. They will already know it if you think about it. Anyway, <laughs> hey, we're dedicating this episode to mountains. We have had a great week. Uh, my mom has been in town. Mom, if you're listening, thank you very much. And has taken our kids on multiple fun uh, days and dates. And it's freed us up to go do a lot of fun things. One of which was we went hiking up to uh, Lake Blanche yesterday, which was really, really fun. Yeah, here in here in Utah in the Wasatch Mountains. Um, you were we... going to post some pictures online. On, on Instagram yeah, or something we should like do that. that. We should do that. Um, and you know, we we hike a lot with our kids, but this was different. We actually got to go on a little bit longer hike, um, and one that I didn't have to. I usually choose trails where you can push a stroller along. <laughs> it was fun to do something different. It was fun. So, so we're feeling and extra fresh air, extra energized, and extra rejuvenated. It's a Thursday, and we're recording an episode, which is rare for us. So. Uh, we're excited about this episode, and hopefully you are as well. Uh, the doctrine we want to talk about, we're actually just going to fold right into the lesson. So we're going to dive in. Um, the background of Acts chapters 10 through 15, if you've already read or if you haven't yet read. Um, last week, if you remember, we met Saul, and he now takes a big part of the rest of the story of Acts. We start to see the handoff um, or at least the, the story crossover from focusing on the original apostles to now focusing on Paul and his missionary journeys. But to set that all up, in Acts chapter 10, there is an earth-shattering revelation. And I don't know if we understand how important or how significant it is from our modern context, but this was monumental for the early day saints. Um Acts chapter 10 begins with two visions, one to Cornelius, uh, who is not a baptized member of the church. He's what's called a God-fearer, and you'll hear that term repeated all throughout the next couple of chapters, one that fears God. That's an actual title. A God-fearer is a uh, non-baptized believer. Um, He's not a Jew. He's not uh, not circumcised, and because of that, uh, he has previously not been allowed to become a member of the church. So he's a God-fearer. He's a member, you call him what, a a Jack Mormon, someone that's a member, but not really a member. Um, And so there's Cornelius, and this vision comes to Cornelius, or this, this voice comes to him, saying that his prayers have been answered. And then a vision comes to Peter, the chief apostle, uh, and it's that interesting one where he sees this giant sheet Uh, that has a whole bunch of animals in it that are ritually unclean for a Jew to eat. The sheet is lowered down in front of him, and he hears the voice of the Lord say to him, Peter, go eat. 
Pick an animal, slay it, and eat it. And he says to the voice, Not so, Lord, I have never eaten an unclean thing before. That is against the law. It's against the law of Moses. I don't eat this. And the voice of the Lord says, What I have cleansed, you shouldn't call unclean. Um, And this revelation is the beginning of the opening of the preaching of the gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, to everybody. Now, here's what's so monumental about that. First of all, in the entire Jewish history, there has been a separation between Jews and the others or the Gentiles. And it's been for good reason. If you think about Moses leading his people out of Egypt, the biggest problem they had was they couldn't keep themselves separated from the world. They kept bringing parts of Egypt with them, or they kept mixing with the Canaanite culture that they were supposed to stay apart from. And so God makes really clear delineations. No, you are you are my chosen people. You are Israel, and those are Gentiles. They're others, and you need to be separated from them. That's been the law forever, and Israel has gotten in so much trouble for it year after year, millennia after millennia, that it's ingrained into their very cultural and religious DNA. And so this revelation changes all of that, that we're going to now take the gospel of the Gentiles. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, But in the middle of all of that, there is this doctrinal phrase, which I love. Verse 34 in Acts chapter 10. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And I spent a lot of time over this week trying to figure out what that phrase means. And so here's what I came up with, or here's what I discovered. Uh, the Greek word, here's your word of the day, is prosopolemptus. I'm sure you pronounced that right. I'm sure I pronounced it right. Totally. Practiced. Um, what it means is there's two kind of roots. The first part of that root is uh, means literally means face or, or outward appearance. And the second part of that root means to judge. What it means is God is not someone who judges based on outward or external situations or circumstances. Uh, the connotation there is someone that stands in front of a judge and the judge looks at the person and says, ah, I don't really like you, you're going to prison. And the next person, yeah, you look like a good person, I'm going to let you go. God isn't one of those. He doesn't. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not, a, he's not that kind of a judge. What it doesn't mean is a couple, and I think what it doesn't mean maybe is more instructive than what it does mean. It does not mean that God doesn't judge. He does. He does a lot, and he does all over the place. That's that's his job is to judge. He judged us worthy to come to earth. He judges us worthy of certain blessings. He judges us for certain responsibilities and assignments. So God does judge. It does not mean that God doesn't differentiate, because he does that as well. There are differences between men and women. There are differences between youth and adults. There are differences between callings and responsibilities and assignments. There are differences between cultures. Um, There are differences between different saints at different times, which we'll talk more about coming up too. So God does differentiate. And the third thing it doesn't mean is that God does not, this does not mean that God doesn't, I double negative there. This does not mean that God does not give certain assignments or blessings to certain people at certain times, meaning God does that. Um, to some, take the priesthood, for example, um, in the 12 tribes day, the priesthood was restricted to one tribe. 
That's not because God didn't like the other tribes and it had nothing to do with their outward situations or circumstances. It's just because God gives different responsibilities to different people at different times. Um, and so he does that all throughout. You think of the way the church works currently. There are different responsibilities given to different people at different times. Sometimes those responsibilities change or evolve or diminish or disappear completely. Um, but that's what it doesn't mean that God is a respecter, isn't a respecter of persons. He doesn't judge based on those outlier things, but he does judge. He does differentiate. He does give different responsibilities at different times. And to me, that helps me, I don't know, understand sometimes the, the differences that I see and the helps me make sense a little bit more of God's workings with me and with the church generally. Well, I think especially as a people who study the scriptures, I think these are really important principles to understand. For me, that has been a real foundation for a growing desire to be in and love the scriptures is really understanding um, the, how God works. Mm -hmm. Because you do see a lot of those stories in our eyes today, and maybe I'd even say in church history too, that in our modern eyes don't really make sense. But when you see um, and kind of understand a little more about this phrase that God is no respecter of persons, I just, I feel like it gives a good base for, um, for our scripture study and maybe for our own personal understanding of God's dealing with his people and also how God deals with us and yeah. the people around us. So here's this gigantic revelation that's going to change everything. This is the beginning of Christianity being spread everywhere, where before this it was restricted just to the house of Israel. Um, this is where it, it, essentially in these chapters you hear the term Christian first used. This is where Christianity kind of develops. Up to this point, Christianity has been just kind of a revolution within Judaism. It's been adjustments and changes and here is the beginning of it becoming something different um, and something that's going to spread all throughout the world. What we want to focus this episode on is how did that happen? You and I were both talking about this um, as I was listening even today. Um, I'm listening to these chapters. And I'm thinking, man, this sounds so much like the church today with uh, the, the, the councils and the revelations and the changes and people trying to wrestle with and grapple with new changes and new revelations, it feels very understandable, very relevant. Well, that's what I, I have loved generally speaking about the book of Acts so far as we've studied is just that feeling of this is what we are experiencing. Mm -hmm. You can really relate. And a lot of those hot button topics that we have maybe, you know, just in the church right now and generally speaking, I think can really help us um, understand how God is at work in the church and at work moving us as members of the church and members not of the church, but also um, how he's helping the prophets push forward revelation and, and refine and give us what the church today needs. I kind of feel like Acts to some degree is a, a a manual or a I don't know a playbook for prophets and apostles. Like you see all of these yeah. these big chain, and it's kind mm -hmm. of fun to see like this is this is what's happening there, and it's probably the same kinds of things that are happening today. The council, the revelation, the prayer, and the study and the fasting that's going into it. Um, as we were talking before this, we thought this is a good a good block to study our relationship with God, God's relationship with His church, and the church's relationship with us. 
and that ever-shifting, ever-evolving, that kind of three-way relationship. So the question that's driving our study this week and the one that we might put out there for you is, what do we learn about the process of revelation um, that could be applied to us individually as we seek to know God's will for us, but also as we seek to understand God working through prophets and apostles and moving his church as a whole? What do we learn about this process as we study this monumental revelation and its, um, and its I think of a German word, nachfolgen, its, its consequences um, in early church history? One of the things I've learned in my study of this was just that feeling of this ongoing revelation and this ongoing revelation that we get to be a part of as part of a living church. Um, how many of us have memorized or studied the article of faith nine that talks about the Lord will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Um, do we realize that that's our church, that things are going to change and things are going to move? Um, just like they did as we see the example of Peter here, that this was, this was a big change. This was unsettling for a lot of people. And this was a big move to make. Um, but I think it's, it's a really great example for us to remember that that's the part of the church that we're, we are a part of today. And that idea of these, this line upon line, you know, we say that phrase a lot of that we're going to learn in increments and things are going to come and change. And I think that that can be really powerful. Um, I love learning about this. I had a big, I don't know if you'd call it an aha moment, but one of those just really profound moments where I was taught this by um, Sister Eubank in one of her Fair Mormon speeches that she gave a few years ago. And she tells the story of, that many of you might know from church history, of Joseph Smith standing up in, in front of the, um, the men of the church in council. And he says something to the extent of that, you know, nothing more than babies pertaining to the kingdom of God. Do you know that quote yeah, for word for word? Or is that... You said it almost word for word. <laughs> okay. um, and then this is from Sister Eubank. She says, I think that's true about us too. But isn't it exciting to live in a time when we are trying to understand and live our doctrine and interpret it and ask the questions? Of course, the Lord could just give it to us. But I work in welfare, and welfare says you've got to be self-reliant. You have to do the work yourself or you don't value it. You're not ready for it. The Lord is waiting for us to interact with each other and our doctrine and find out new things. And when we are ready for it, he will give it to us. Um, I think that as we really understand and see what revelation is, that it is this ongoing process. And maybe I'd even say what I thought of in these scriptures is we see Peter getting ready for this revelation, so to speak, because first we see him kind of getting that softening of heart. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced that where you're, um, and I'm asking you and you, Zach, mm -hmm. if you want to, but um, that idea where you get little thought in your head and then it becomes a bigger thought, and then you see things that kind of support that. And don't we see that happening to Peter as he has this dream, and then he has kind of a confirmation when Cornelius comes, and then, you know, he has this understanding of, oh, I understand now that God is no respecter of persons. It's this, isn't that fun to kind of see how he's yeah. taught line upon line in that way? Well, and even, I mean, it, it's like a six-chapter process, and there's even some indication that later on Peter might have still been struggling with the implications of this. It's one of the things that he and Paul, um, 
you know, there's a, a lot of discussion. There's there's some verses that hint that maybe there was some contention between Paul and Peter, and there's been some biblical historians that have taken that way too far, probably, and blown it up into something big. But it might be feasible to think that Peter, as a lifelong Jew, has a really hard time letting go of this idea that that Jews and Gentiles, that separation. And so for him, even as a prophet, even as the leader of the church, it's a process to understand it and to grow and to develop. And here in these chapters, in 10, he gets that revelation, but in 15, it's not really solidified until chapter 15. And that's after he's had a softening of heart. He's had Cornelius. He's had missionary reports from Paul and Barnabas come to him. He's spent time with Gentiles and talked with them. There's been all of these little bits that have built up that bring this ultimate confirmation. So yeah, I like it. And that you see, um, yeah, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting to think here's chapter 10, where he first gets those ideas and the inklings, this dream and this vision. And then it's at the Jerusalem council, which I just think is kind of fun to imagine too. Mm -hmm. That um, So this is in chapter 15, where they meet together to discuss this issue. Is this right? Should we do this? And we do see Peter stand up and pretty boldly state that, yeah, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And this is what it needs to be. And, but then you see the wrestle that he's gone through to get there. Just exactly what you're explaining, this process that he's gone through, um, that he's kind of been given. I, I like, I don't know why I kept thinking of that softening of heart, but you could also say the line upon line, but I like the softening of heart because I think that's a lot of the times how I get, um, I've gotten my answers as I've thought about some of the experiences I've had recently in my life, where I think a lot of that has just been a maybe a softening towards something that I hadn't really paid attention to before or little thoughts that have become bigger thoughts that I feel have, have been part of a revelation process for myself. But I think as we see um, the church as a whole, as this moving piece and us having to put our, put our work into it, our, some grit behind it, that we can also see that the church moves in the same way. A lot like how we talked about in our doctrine two episodes ago mm-hmm. of revelation. what revelation is yeah. that the prophets receive revelation much the way that we do. Yeah. A friend of mine, and I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but a friend of mine used this phrase, which I've loved and I've thought of a lot, but he called it the messiness of revelation. And I've thought about it and think, um, here's a perfect example. Here you have in this, in these chapters, mortal human men, trying to understand the mind of an immortal divine God. So even though God may be perfect, I certainly am not. And it makes sense then that my process of trying to hear his word and understand his will, and then to convey that word and that will to my fellow brothers and sisters is a messy process. And it takes time and it takes effort and it takes practice. Uh, and there's going to be things that grow and that develop and that change. Um, you've heard, um, is it is it uh, Elder Christofferson or Elder Bednar that talks about the, revela- the, the restoration wasn't an event, but that it's an ongoing process. We are in the restoration right now. Things are continuing to be restored and revealed as we get closer and closer to the Savior's coming. I, I'm going to link that Sister Eubank talk, but she references that a lot of some of the missing pieces or some of the questions that she feels she has. And she, she talks about that of that. This is like, I, like I quoted her before, but this is kind of an exciting, an exciting movement to think that just that, that we do get to have this kind of messy, exciting time to figure things out. 
Well, and you and I have been through, I mean, the last couple of weeks, we've had some even personal experiences in our life where um, ideas that we had a year ago that we originally didn't like, or a month ago, as we talk about them, as we think about them, as we study, our hearts are softening. And now we feel completely different about this life change where a month ago we felt this other way. And so even on a personal level, I'm loving this truth that uh, we believe that God will yet reveal many great and important things to the church as a whole, but also to us individually. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I found as I was studying this process of revelation that kind of goes along with what you're saying is, and I don't know, I don't know how to say this in a way that is going to sound good. <laughs> so I'm going to say it and you're going to go, what? And then I'm going to try and make it make sense. But maybe you'll send me a message that and makes say it in a better way. I don't know what you're going to say. Now I'm very curious. Revelation. This isn't the one that's going to make you go, what? Oh. Revelation changes things. Revelations can change. Things can change in the church. Uh, and on one hand, that makes that makes you go, oh, yeah, well, duh, that makes sense. But on the other hand, it goes, wait, wait a minute. Does it make you go, what? God, <laughs> God is an unchanging God, right? And we, we were just doing that middle little mini scripture study before we started this on the scriptural places where it said God is an unchanging God. Interesting, it never says that God is an unchanged God. It says he's unchanging. Which, as I was reading this time, I think maybe that's a that's a description of his character or his personality, mm -hmm. that he has reached a point where his character and personality are unchanging. But it certainly doesn't mean that God can't change what he says or the directions or instructions that he gives. Here is the case in point with this episode. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives very clear instructions to his apostles on what they are to do. Verses 5 and 6. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There is a commandment from Jesus himself with a specific restriction, don't go teach the Gentiles. And here we are in Acts chapter 10 where Peter says, No, we are going to go and teach the Gentiles. In fact, 10 verse 24 oh going on this is after he's received his vision um he goes and meets with cornelius and other gentiles and says this uh verse 24 in the morrow after they entered into caesarea and cornelius waited for them and called together his kinsmen and near friends and as peter was coming in cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him but peter took him up saying stand up i myself am a man and as he talked with him, he went in. That phrase is completely blasphemous to a Jew. For a, uh, for a Jew to enter a Gentile home was, uh, was forbidden. So he went in and found many that were come together. And he said to them, You know how that is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Then verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Uh, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them they should be baptized in the name of the Lord. They prayed they him to tarry certain days. 
So here is a revelation and a spiritual event confirming that revelation that specifically contradicts something that Jesus told them to do. I can imagine when Peter stands up and says that revelation that there were quite a few church members that were contrary to that idea. No, we don't do this, which is part of the reason why we have the whole Jerusalem conference in the first place, because they really need to wrestle with this. Um, I think it's an important truth to understand about revelation that in a in a in a human process of understanding a divine mind that revelation is going to change that our understanding of god's mind and will and even that his specific directions to us will change as the circumstances change as our world changes as our needs change so we shouldn't be surprised if a current prophet says something that seems to contradict something a past prophet has said or even seems to contradict something that the scriptures say because god can and does change. He changes his instruction. He changes his edicts and his commandments as suited what's best for his children at that time in that situation. Or in another way, he will yet reveal Mm -hmm. many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It helps me understand my own life and, um, and how God works with me. Um, I've had spiritual confirmations in the past that in my life currently, I am feeling spiritual confirmations that contradict those earlier spiritual confirmations. And it's just simply this unfolding process of God saying, yes, when you were 21 or 22 or when you were 30, that was my will for you. But now that you're, now that you're here, this is my will. And it's different. And it's wonderful. I feel, I, I don't know... I, I have felt over the last couple of weeks more spiritually alive because I'm keyed into this idea that God is moving and changing my personal life. And it's exciting to think about. And the more he does it, the more I'm trusting him and opening myself up to what he says. I and mean, maybe that's more personal than I need to be. But um, I guess by way of testimony, I just, I, I know from experience, recent and present experience, that this is how God works. I think it's just great to think of it in that way and to see examples that we get to study this week in these chapters of early apostles at work in the same ways that we get to work and open ourselves up to God and to his revelations for us today. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to those of you leaving reviews. Shout out. Just say thanks. I don't know why I said shout out. (laughs) What? But I just wanted to say thank you. We love the kind reviews. We love the feedback and are grateful that you guys are interacting with us in those ways to let us know how we can improve and let us know what you are grateful for. In fact, maybe next week we'll read some reviews. Um, Just we've just been reading through them and wanted to let you know that we do read to those and we try and respond to those um, in ways that either we change what we're doing or we keep doing what we we are doing and we feel motivated by um, the community that we're building here. So thank you for showing up and thank you for listening. And we hope you have a great week.